even the community of ultra running, it's a very tight knit community. And there's several people that we have on our Sunto squad that have heavy influence within that community. So I think it's a good, it's a good idea to have both, to have people who have in-person communities as well as digital communities, because just like you said, it's very fragile, especially in today's digital world. So I think that's, that's how we're looking at it with our, with our influencer strategy this year. This is Adam Buchanan with the Marketing Trust Podcast. Thanks for listening. This is episode 27. Really excited to be here today and bring you an interview with Caleb Whittle with Sunto. Sunto is a brand that makes awesome wrist tracking electronics. They track everything uh, from GPS to sleep to managing your notifications, possibly blood type, and maybe how you're feeling during the day. I am a Sunto fan myself, and if you're not familiar with the brand, check them out, Sunto.com. And Caleb, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Adam. I'm really happy to be here and to uh, get to talk to people about marketing trust. Awesome. Well, first off, if you can just fill in some of the blanks, I, I know I gave Sunto somewhat of an introduction, but... Uh, <laughs> Tell us about Sunto, what you guys are doing, and uh, how long you've been around. Sure. So Sunto is a company that's been around for over 80 years. It's headquartered in Finland, over in Europe, and they started as a compass manufacturer and then went into the dive segment, and now we're known as a world leader in dive. I'd say a little over 10, 15 years ago, went into the, the wrist top computer watches, as well as uh, then, of course, nowadays, GPS watches and tracking everything, like you said, from sleep to heart rate to how you're feeling throughout the day. Maybe not your blood type yet, but uh, All right, that's fair. That up. Okay, well, let, let the people know that over in your product department, I came up with that idea. So <laughs> love any, it. any accolades, uh, I would appropriately award to myself. Well, I actually, I, I've been using the Spartan Sport. It's, it's on my wrist now. It's something I use every day. I've really enjoyed it. If people are looking for something that's a good all around, let's just dive into the products real quick. What would you recommend for somebody who's just, because I see this all the time, people asking about, you know, what's a good wrist computer? What's a good all around just for the average, likes to work out, yeah, I mean, the, the watch that you have on your wrist is perfect for it. The, our newest product is called the Sunto 9. It has crazy battery life, so you don't have to worry about charging it every single day. And it keeps track of your daily activities, but it also is really great for people who want to be out for a long time, maybe on an all-day hike or something like that as well. And today we're kind of talking more of the marketing side of, of Sunto as well, just get some background of the brand, what you're up to, and just your point of view on, on marketing, everything that's happening. There's obviously so much, so many things changing in influencer marketing, content, and even we'll talk about the Facebook shutdown as well. First, you know, I was introduced to Sunto when I was working at Backcountry.com. I was a customer service rep doing the live chat. So if you have a minute, pop over to Backcountry, you'll see the little live chat thing come up. That was me. I was doing that for like two years. And I remember a Sunto rep came into our, our uh, office and they were giving out really good deals. And I bought my first Sunto. It was the Sunto Vector. Ooh, yeah. So tell me about the Sunto Vector, like a little throwback Thursday. Because that's like, it's just like a staple. It was such a good watch. 
the Sunto Vector, I think, was our, our primary product with an altimeter, barometer, and compass in the mm-hmm. watch. If you wear the Sunto Vector nowadays, people will recognize it. It just has the look that people know. It's been to the top of Everest multiple times. It, it was just a staple in the outdoor industry for something that you wear on your wrist. Uh, so that's definitely where our heritage comes from, you know, being that pioneering the adventure side of, of a brand for sure. I had a vector that was yellow. It was bright yellow. You could see it like a mile away. So apparently I'm attracted to very bright colors because obviously I've got the, the red glasses on my face. But for before the red glasses, it was a yellow vector. So props to Sunto for um, uh, function, but also some uh, nice fashion in there. Well, let's dive into you know some of the background of trust and how that relates to Sunto. How have you seen trust really evolve and you know tie back to your marketing efforts? Sure. So, I mean, first and foremost, we want to make sure that the consumers trust your product. I think where our products, even in our dive segment, you know, their lives depend on their dive computer working. Making sure that the products work and they work according to what we say they do is definitely a key staple in in Sunto Heritage. And then from a marketing perspective, really developing content that appeals to the Sunto consumer. That can be everything from content that shows the testing of the product to showing it in action to really building up the authenticity of the Sunto brand. So you've been around for a long time and I'd say you're definitely a lifestyle brand and that kind of falls under the umbrella of the other of the other Ammer brands, which is Arcteryx, Atomic, Solomon, am I missing any? Wilson. Uh, there's Wilson, Precore, Envy. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. So definitely a lot of lifestyle brands and you kind of fall under that umbrella. What content are people mostly attracted to? Is it the the testing, like you said, the lifestyle, the aspirational? What what are people what are people drawn to in your audience segment? You know, that's a great question, Adam. I think that's something that we've been working on at Sunto as well. We've been used to creating content just for product launch. Take example, last year we launched two products and we created content for two products and that's all you heard from us. We're definitely shifting now to where people want to interact with the brand from a day-to-day basis. And so always developing content is super impactful uh, for the brand and also tells relevant stories. I think people are really drawn to the stories of of Sunto, people who use Sunto, and even the stories within the product. So we just launched a video campaign that goes through the testing of the Sunto 9, but in real life scenarios. So you don't see people in lab coats doing strictly formulated tests. You see it out in the wild being kicked around and frozen and melted in ice over fire and like really impactful things that tell the story of the product. You know, what advice would you give to marketers who, you know, because storytelling is so important. We've really dove into that these last few years. But what is it about your storytelling that you feel sets it apart to really make your your brand stick out? Because, you know, nowadays there's so many different watch brands out there. I mean, it's it's a very saturated market. So how do you feel like yours stands out? Well, I think it goes back to what we consider our brand pillars. We have four of them. It's the real deal. We're a trusted companion. We pioneer exploration. We have a contagious passion. So the the content that really speaks for us is showing how passionate we are as a company. You know, we have people who run ultra marathons, people who climb to the highest peaks at the company. Talking about that through the content that we produce, I think really helps helps to set us apart. And then also highlighting that durability piece. You know, you talked about the Vector. It's a very old watch, but there are many people who still wear it because it still works. It's so durable. 
And that's something that we're trying to highlight as much as we can, because that's one key feature that may set us apart. Yeah, I think that's something you have on a lot of other options out there is, is just your heritage and, and you know, telling that long tail story. I, I think the vector is kind of a cool uh, maybe mascot or brand <laughs> idol, if you will. Uh, you touched on pillars, and I think this is something that, as I've interviewed people on the podcast, one thing that I've always seen a trend is people going back to pillars, mission statements, you know, kind of the core of the business. And then they also go back to product and making sure that, you know, because I think oftentimes in marketing, I see teams or, you know, professionals like looking for, you know, what, what's the trick this week or month that I can do to, you know, get my message out there. But really what I'm finding is it's tied back to those pillars and mission. How often would you say as a team, you revisit those? I mean, is that something daily you talk about of how does this lead back to our, our mission and pillars? I think it's something that's definitely kind of ingrained in us as we do our day-to-day jobs. We definitely revisit it at least monthly just to remind ourselves what our brand stands on. What is the foundation of the Sunto brand? And that helps us on our day-to-day work to be able to speak to those pillars. Uh, We may not communicate them that much, but that's what's driving everything other people may see about the brand. So I think a main takeaway, if you're if you're listening and thinking about you know auditing your content marketing or your your product in general, it's probably best to sit down and if you don't have those pillars, write them out. You know, meet as a team. Think about what do you believe, what do you stand for. It's probably not too far off. It's probably you know things that are on the tip of your tongue, but you know documenting those. I think I think that's important and socializing them within the organization. Before we get into influencers and how you're working with them, let's quickly talk about the Facebook shutdown. This just happened last week. Facebook was shut down and Instagram for 24 hours, which in millennial years is <laughs> years. <laughs> like, it's like decades. Uh, you know, what's your take on the shutdown? Just how did it affect you? What's your point of view? Open the eyes to a lot of companies of you can't depend on. Uh, you know, I say external parties, I guess. We, we have an interesting organization where we have a, a global marketing team in Finland, and then I'm, I'm here in the U.S., so most of the strategy may be run over there. It did affect us pretty, uh, pretty heavily here, but we also made sure well beforehand that people could go to our website to get information, that we had our database up to date, and we could still communicate with our consumers that way. Um, I think it's really important in today's day and age to focus in on the things that you can truly control and then use things that you may not be able to control to kind of augment those those items. And I think that can truly make sure that you always have a seamless connection with people that are looking to buy your product and looking to interact with your brand. If all the social media in the world was down for a month, how would that affect your brand? I, I think <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> I think that that's a good way to think about it. So that way you can, it, it kind of reverts back to the basics of what marketing used to be before the internet. You know, it was all in-person marketing. And as long as you have those fundamentals, I think you'll, you'll be okay in those times of, of downtime in today's digital world. I think another thing that people kind of touched on in the articles I read was how that affects influencer marketing. Yeah. So for 24 hours, these influencer feeds are down just like anybody else. You know, what advice would you give on how to interact with influencers when we're leasing 
right? These, these, <laughs> these networks. Yeah. I mean, what do you do with that? Because how could you do influencer marketing without these, these social channels? Well, I think it goes to making sure you have people who truly speak to your brand. You know, they're, they're able to be their authentic selves without truly, I guess, showing that the brand, oh yeah, sure, maybe this brand is paying me or this brand gave me a free watch. But if they're able to speak to, authentically to the brand and they're able to have an influence in their own community, I think that will definitely help any brand who has influencers because it's not just the digital reach that makes them influencers. They could be very influential in their own communities as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically in our space where we have you know, endurance sports, things like that, we have athletes that are out in the field. Those athletes are usually well-known in the community. So if they didn't have Instagram, they may go down to the local run shop and host a group run and 60 people will show up. I think that can speak to the authenticity of the influencers that you may choose. Well, especially with a product like this where you know, it's a premium product, right? right? It's, it's not something you find at, um, just any store. It's, it's a, it's a thoughtful purchase. And yeah. so, you know, going running with a group of 50, 60 folks with that kind of leader, I think is, is a prime place for those conversations to take place. It, you know, it feels a little grassroots, but truthfully, you know, people aren't just seeing a Facebook ad for a $500, risk computer and thinking, yes, I'm going to buy that today because it, <laughs> it tells me if I get a text or not. That's, that's awesome. So no, I think that's, I think that's really smart. I think the other thing with influencers too, and this is something uh, during my time at Cabela's, I was very impressed with the athletes there, the, the hunters who had built up a really strong website, but also a strong email list. And I think yeah. that's really critical as well for influencers. So for any influencers listening, Think about how you can set yourself apart by having strong subscribers. Because again, you, you can say to brands, you know, along with some social posts, I also have this list. I also have this community. I, I think that's really critical. And, and you're not putting so much on these fragile channels, Absolutely. which we now know they are fragile. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Tell me about how you are working with influencers. Two ways. Um, actually, this past weekend, we were down in Southern Utah and we launched uh, I'd say our largest marketing effort for the year. It's a team of uh, 54 multi-sport athletes. And I say multi-sport because it's triathletes, it's ultramarathoners, it's off-road triathletes. It's people who just love to be outdoors. That's, I'd say, our in-person influencers. So Mm -hmm. they're out in the community, they're at races, but they may not have the largest social reach that that some typical influencers, I think, uh, think they need. And then on the other side, we, we compound that with our digital influencers. So our Sunto squad is what we're calling them. And these are the people where, you know, they speak authentically online as well. And to, to your point, they, they may also have offline communities that they talk to as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important for companies to have a little bit of both. I call it the in-person influencer and the digital influencer. Sometimes they can be the same. We have some people on the multi-sport team that have really great following and engagement online. We have people on the Sunto squad that still have that influence online, but they also are very influential in their community. Even the community of ultra running, it's a very tight-knit community, and there's several people that we have on our Sunto squad that have heavy influence within that community. So I think it's a good, it's a good idea to have both, to have people who have in-person communities as well as digital communities. 
because just like you said, it's very fragile, yeah. uh, especially in today's digital world. So I think that's, that's how we're looking at it with our, with our influencer strategy this year. So as we're diving into the specifics here for, says the, the, the 50 folks mm-hmm. who may not have as much online social reach, what, what online social reach do they have? Can you put it in numbers? Is there a range of, you know, they need to have a thousand followers on Instagram or they need to know how to take good photos and video? Like, what is that criteria? Sure. So, I'm, I mean, the main criteria there for that team was athletic performance at the right races. You know, it's, it's a multi-sport team. They're sponsors of the team. So they, they have to perform in that instance uh, as well. And then uh, we kind of had a second tier where it was social influence, coaching influence, or community influence. And that was kind of the second tier qualifier. So there are some athletes on the team who only have 500 followers on Instagram, but they're a top tier athlete. And they're very influential in their community. Got it. Um, or they may be a coach and they coach 20 other athletes. We, you know, there were social qualifications, I guess, but that wasn't the, the break, you know, make the deal or break the deal. Right. So how do you, what advice would you give to people when you're running those events, those offline events? I run offline influencer events. Honestly, it's crazy. When you're running it, it's like, and you know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, how do I get people fed? How do I get people to where they need to be? I mean, oh, yeah. what advice would you give? Because I think those offline events are so important because it helps break up, you know, the, the digital focus, but it also helps, I believe, build trust offline because they know Caleb now, right? They don't know Caleb at Sunto.com <laughs> on the email. It's, yeah. Tell me about that. What advice would you give to people running those events? Quite honestly, I think it's it's reaching out to the experts. <laughs> we so in order to manage the team, we we have an agency. It's called Team Sports, and they've been doing this for over twenty years. And so we knew that they were the experts in the space, and so we went to them. And we said, "We want to launch this multi sport team. Help us do it." <laughs> because I mean, really, as a you know, as a as a marketing guy here here in the office um, on the Sunto team, it's it's pretty much myself and we have a digital marketing guy as well and that's it so i couldn't handle the 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 true capabilities of launching a 50 person athlete team so we went to the experts and they did an amazing job and it truly was to your point of building trust it was amazing to see friendships form for people that maybe have followed each other on social media and then all of a sudden in person and they became best of friends and we even saw that through social media as well people taking pictures with each other, posting, tagging. It was, it was amazing from an in-person perspective as well as a digital perspective. Why do you think that's important that people develop a relationship with each other from an influencer and, you know, maybe Sunto's not, you know, Sunto hosted the party, but they're not <laughs> the hero of the party. Right. right. Why do you think that's important? And maybe, you know, tell me about that of them having a relationship with Caleb or the point of contact at Team Sport. What's your point of view on that? Honestly, we are asking a lot of these athletes this year. You know, it's more than just winning your age group at races. It's in, have social engagement. It's have community events, help us out at community events. And when you meet someone in person, uh, you trust them. You, you put a, a face to the name, a face to the Instagram. Handle. I was going to say <laughs> a face to the Instagram handle. That's, that's right. That's, that, that's a real, that, that's a real win, I think, because then, when you see them post something, it's no longer just someone that you've never met. It's someone that you've met and you've learned about their stories and you've learned about them and you can relate to them a lot more. And I think 
that helps build just a community of influencers online. Um, there's, there's nothing better than making friends. <laughs> and so I think if you make friends offline, you're much more uh, willing to help support each other online as well. I feel like that goes back to the roots of where social media and just even the, the theories of community started, you know, long right. before the internet, long before yeah. talk forums or anything. But getting back to those roots, why do you think that's so important and why do you see brands doing that more and more? I'm seeing that quite a bit. Well, I think they're realizing that, um, you know, they, you can't necessarily trust everything you see online. So you need to go back to the basics. That's what we're doing here at Sunto this year is we're going back to the basics of grassroots marketing, having people in the communities, um, being at more events, really being where people can put a face to the brand now. Um, you know, we were talking about influencers, but I think it's important for brands as well to understand that uh, people need to interact person to person with a brand. And whether that's with an influencer at an event, whether that's even inside of a store with a store employee, mm. they need that interaction to be able to trust the brand and trust the products that we talk about. I mean, you mentioned earlier, Sunto products may be a little complex to understand. There's so much in this little tiny device that's on your wrist. It's really hard to get it all online or through an ad online. So I think that in-person connection is, is really relevant and really important in today's world. Yeah. And after we're done recording, I'm going to ask a few questions because <laughs> I've got yeah. a few things on my watch that I'm like, I need Caleb's help. What is this thing? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I love that you're, you're taking that route as well, getting back to the basics. One more thing on influencers. How long do you take to vet influencers? Probably a month to even longer. I'm always looking out for people who are influential in the communities that we're involved in. I think it's really important to follow them, make sure that they're authentic, that they're not posting about things just because a brand pays them to, that they're authentic, and also look at their following, that their following is authentic as well. Mm. And being able to, I mean, nowadays you can buy followers, you can buy likes, so it makes trusting influencers a little difficult. So if you look at the engagement, they're responding to all the comments, there's several comments, I think that speaks to the, the influencer side a lot. And I think... From a time to vet, I mean, we had, for this multi-sport team, we had over 1,200 applications. Holy God. And you narrowed it down to 50? Uh, we narrowed it down to 50. Jeez. Yeah. That took a lot of time. There were a lot of fantastic people as well. So you need to take time. It's not something you look and you say, wow, they have 50,000 followers. Yes, let's bring them on. You need to dive a little deeper than that to truly make sure that they are authentic and that their followers trust them. That's a feat I think everyone's trying to understand and, and also how do you scale and manage it? You know, yep. so I, I love that you shared, you know, hey, we, we're leaning on help, right? We're leaning on outside help. I, I think that's important. Some people think, you know, this all has to be managed in-house. And I've seen it done both ways. I don't think one's right or the other. Definitely implications for both. Right. How are you thinking about measuring this program going forward? What advice would you share with marketers on Okay, you, you've got these 50 folks, they're, they're doing their thing. Is that something with the outside help agency that helps, or what does measurement look like? It's a little bit of both. I mean, we have a social media tracking tool that tells us their percent of engagement. We can send campaigns, and then we can track engagement on those campaigns. Uh, so that's kind of the, the social side. And then I also think from a community side, how many events they help out with, how many people they talk to. 
Um, you know, these, these are some pretty in the weeds metrics, but it also talks to what their influence is. It's really hard to measure influence in today's day and age. I mean, I can talk to my friend and that's never tracked in a number sense, but if I'm talking to the friend and he then goes online, you know, that then helps the traffic number. There's, there's so many metrics. And I think that's something I'm really working on is to try to step back from the metrics and look at the brand as a whole. We run several brand perception studies and brand consideration studies. And I think that's a good way to measure it as well, because as your influence grows, uh, your awareness will grow and more people consider your brand. Do you do that in certain markets, like certain geographies where the, you know, the 50 folks are, are living or traveling to or competing in? Not, not down to that level. Okay. I mean, that was the amazing thing about this athlete team is they live all over <clears throat> the U.S. So, uh, you know, those, those brand perception studies are just run in various markets throughout the U.S. And these people are racing all over the world. So it's hard to measure maybe where they're racing, but since they're all U.S.-based, I think that will really help raise the brand awareness within uh, the country. So another product idea, uh, unsolicited, of course. <laughs> so we're talking about tracking people, and, and what's funny and ironic is Sunto devices track everything you do. They track your elevation, steps, calories. I mean, mine, mine's tracking all the time, and I, that's why I love it. Why don't you put in something where it tracks people's conversations and see how influential they are and they're talking <laughs> about your brand? Like, get total big brother on people. Oh, know? yeah, yeah. That, that would be kind of creepy. I mean, yeah. Don't want to be the, the creepy brand here. If, if, you need, <laughs> if you need a nice PR uh, crisis, uh, call me. I've got some ideas. <laughs> no. No, I love it. But on a serious note, you know, on the tracking, it is difficult. And I think that is important to have that outside help. I think right. that's a that's a smart approach. And But also looking at the whole scope, I think so often we do stop at engagements and comments. Right. And it's like, well, right, that's a touch point. Let me ask you this. Are you using codes to drive people to specific links that are tied back to those 50 folks? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we're, we, we are rolling out an affiliate program, et cetera. So there's... There's a lot of uh, tools that are out there to help track sales, um, but there's a lot more influence for a brand that isn't tied specifically to sales. What, what's next for you? I mean, you have this program in place, and, and that's up and running. How is that going to relate back to your content marketing? So I, I would say even the, the aspect of, of launching the camp, the camp this past weekend. So we had a camp with the athletes and we had a videographer there and a photographer there to grab the content. Uh, we plan to use these athletes to create content for the global brand. That speaks also to the authenticity specific to this market. Now that's the challenge that a lot of global companies have is they may create content in Germany and when mm. they create content there, it's not relevant at all for the U S market. So uh, l luckily, the brand's very open to, to having this content creation from the markets. And that's something we've also highlighted on the digital space with our social media. Some of our top performing posts are user-generated posts. You've got a great track record with Sunto. How long have you been at Sunto? Been with Sunto coming up on a year. On so. a, oh, wow. You've done a lot <laughs> in a year. Jeez. Not well, a, yeah. What's your background before that? I mean, because this, this is a great position for you. It sounds like it's going well. Uh, tell me about where, what was before Sunto? So before Sunto, I was at Solomon on, on the commercial side. So commercial means distribution, product mix, etc. cetera. Uh, but I've been with the parent company, so Armor Sports, uh, for 
uh, coming up on four years. So I started out in in-store marketing uh, in a portfolio role. So that's kind of something that's exciting within the company is we have kind of functional teams. So working on multiple brands, and that's where I started. So I worked on Sunto when I first started, but I also worked on Solomon and Atomic and the other brands in the portfolio. Where did you see yourself when you were younger? What did you want to be when you grew up? I mean, did you even imagine <laughs> this is something you wanted to do or what? I mean, not at all. <laughs> I wanted to be a fighter pilot in the Air Force. Wow. <laughs> little little yeah. shift. Yeah, right. Um, so uh, so I did like uh, Air Force Junior ROTC in high school. I was full on going to the Air Force Academy growing up next to the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. Um, and then my eyesight is horrible and I have asthma. So that was a no-go for the Air Force. Shoot. Uh, so I said, great, I'm going to build planes. So then I went to Utah State here in Utah in aerospace engineering. And then two years into that program, I took my first marketing class. And I said, wow, this is much more fun than studying thermodynamics and uh-huh. strength of materials. Uh, and that really opened up my eyes to marketing and to building relationships, which I love doing. I love talking with people. I love building those relationships. Um, but then I had an issue. Uh, I was already two years into my program in a program where you took uh, engineering-specific courses very early on. So it was, okay, if I try to switch my major to marketing, I need to repeat those two years. So I ended up switching to Spanish because I had lived in Chile for two years Tested out of credits, then I was still able to graduate in four years with a degree in Spanish, but the entire time of that Spanish uh, degree, my thought was MBA school. This is how I get to MBA school. That's where I'll get my marketing uh, education. Um, and then I got my Weber or my MBA at Weber State. Uh, fantastic program there, really lets you do hands-on marketing. And I just thought to myself, this is where I need to be. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, what else, uh, what other advice would you share to marketers listening as we kind of wrap up and then we'll get into our, uh, our, our game name that handle, which is oh boy. my favorite segment. <laughs> uh, what, what would you leave with listeners of, you know, trust, how, how to build trust with influencers and, and with the brand? I think the biggest thing is building trust in person as well as online. Online is what I would say accelerates your trust with the consumers because that's where they'll go to find out more about you. But typically along the lines of the first couple interactions that they have with the brand, it'll be someone talking about the brand face to face. It'll be seeing the brand at an event. It'll be seeing the brand in store. So I think it's, it's crucial to have that trust through influencers, both in person and online. Well said. I love that. I think that is the best way to start a relationship. I, you know, we think back to just you know, take marketing and branding out, out of it. You look at your friends that you've known for many years, decades, that you're still in touch with. Most likely that started with an online or an offline connection. Right. And I, I think that's something we need to recognize and not get too caught up in, well, let's drop them into a Facebook group <laughs> and we'll just stew up a, a whole mess of trust and, and <laughs> get people excited about us, which is advice that I've given on the podcast before. Uh, not sorry. Okay, <laughs> let's let's dive into 
our my favorite game. It's towards the end of any time I do an interview, and it's called Name That Handle. This okay. is where I give you one-word clues on someone you are connected with on social media. In this case, it's going to be Instagram. I hope you're a little nervous. Everyone is nervous when I do this. I'm, I'm very nervous, and I want to <laughs> lay, in, lay in a little caveat. If, if the person he lists is listening... Just remember, I am horrible with names, and I have a horrible memory. So it's nothing personal. I just have a horrible memory, and I'm really bad with names. <laughs> well, we hope they're listening, um, <laughs> because this is this is where I like to get people to sweat. And it's oh funny, I you know, a little background on Name That Handle. This is something that I started with the podcast out the gate, and I was just trying to think how could I have a little fun with guests, get them a little out of their seat, but also you know look at someone else in the industry who's doing some cool stuff as well. So, here we are. Name that handle. Okay, I'm already sweating. <laughs> are, are you ready? I'm as ready as I can be. Well, that's as much as I can <laughs> expect. Here we go. Okay. Skier. That is the first clue. Skier. Skier. All right. There's a lot of skiers that I follow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, that doesn't help at all. No one comes to mind? Okay, you ready for the next clue? Yep. Runner. Oh, great. (laughs) Skier and a runner. Okay. All right. I think I've got it down to like maybe 10 people that that could be. I thought you were going to say (laughs) 10,000. I don't even follow 10,000 people. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay, 10 people. Feeling good. Feeling good. Yep. Yep. Um, Let's go with, oh, Montana. Oh. Montana. Now, just a little caveat with that. It doesn't mean they're in Montana now, but Montana might be, you know, important to them at some time in their life. Maybe they lived there, but they may not live there now. <laughs> this isn't helping, Adam. <laughs> oh. Skier, runner, Skier, Montana. Skier, runner, Montana. Okay. All right. Let's go with Alta. Alta. Okay. So I, I think I know who it could be. You're welcome to give a guess. I'm going to guess Joe Johnson. Whoa! Absolutely! Oh, yes! Yes! All right. Do the applause. All right, I can stop sweating now. Joe, he was sweating a lot. This is, (laughs) it's a good thing this is audio only. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Joe Johnson, good good friend of mine as well. Joe is a, a good good dude. He's over at Solomon within yep. the Ammer family. Yeah. So you guys like on different levels in the same office. You guys see each other every day. What? Yeah, he's just on the other side of the floor side of the floor that I'm on. Uh, when I was on the Solomon side, I sat right next to him, um, and then since I moved over, just hop desks. Uh, but still see him pretty pretty frequently. See all the adventures he goes on. Yeah, Joe is definitely someone to follow on on Instagram, and I believe it's just Johnson Joe. I think he flipped him. Oh man, I'd, yeah, Johnson Joe. Johnson yep. Joe, good good guy. I love Joe. He's just a very authentic guy. I've known him for many years in the outdoor industry, and really grateful for what he brings to the industry and Solomon itself. Yeah, good person to know. If you're, if you're ever an outdoor retailer, any of the shows. Yeah, watch for Joe. He's a good guy. Caleb will introduce you to him. <laughs> yeah, and if you can't find him at those shows, you'll probably find him up in the mountains. Good exactly. luck. Good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you may you may have to take a helicopter to get where he's at. Yes, but, uh, absolutely. Yep, yep. 
Well, great. Thanks so much, Caleb, for being part of uh, the Marketing Trust. Really loved uh, all that you had to share. One note I just wanted to say, you'd mentioned that your event was down in St. George. Yes. And on the last episode, I had said that St. George is in the southeast region of Utah, and I feel sick about it, and I have to correct myself. (laughs) It is in the southwest, just north of Las Vegas. Yes. And again, my apologies to Trevor Farns, my last guest in episode 26. (laughs) I uh, gave him a terrible clue for name that handle, and he was stumped. And uh, but no, we we got through it. So <laughs> let the record show: Adam isn't totally terrible at geography. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, thank you for for being here today and sharing yeah. your awesome wisdom. Thank you for having me. <laughs>